Welcome from all of us at Albuquerque Reformed Church, a particular congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church located in New Mexico. We thank you for joining us for this week's sermon. For more information about Albuquerque Reformed Church or to contribute to its ministry, visit abqreformed.org. And now, we invite you to open your Bible and listen to the preached word. If I ask you, what is the greatest thing which you look forward in life? What is the greatest thing which you look forward to in life? Or put it another way, what will make you most happy in life? What will make you most happy in life? The greatest the greatest thing which you're looking forward and which will make you extremely happy. Now, it depends uh, to whom you are asking this question. Someone on the street you find and uh, say they are young. They may say, if I become CEO, CEO of this particular company, then I'll be extremely happy. Somebody who is active in sports, he would say, if I can play in Olympics and if I can win a gold medal, I would be extremely happy. I'll be on the top of the world. If you ask a scientist, he would say the greatest dream is to get a Nobel Peace Prize or maybe some kind of uh, acclamation. If you ask maybe some teens, they may have some dreams. Maybe I want to, uh, you know, I'll be happy if I can get into Ivy League uh, college or maybe if I can do modeling for this brand or depends. So there is uh, something we all look forward and uh, which should make us extremely happy. And that's how uh, we think. That's how most people think. But scripture shows us that there is something which is greater than all of these things. There is something which is greater than all of these things. That is, the greatest thing is knowing that our names are written in heaven and we are being found in Christ. The greatest thing for us, for a human being, is to know that their names are written in heaven and that they are being found in Lord Jesus Christ. Last time we, lo- we looked at Jesus sending 70 of his disciples to various parts of the country where he himself was about to go. Now these 70 were part of the broader disciples uh, of Jesus as he had many disciples. A disciple is a learner in Greek, mathetes, one who, one who learns from his master and follows him around. If you, say that, if you say that you are a disciple, then you must be a learner. You must be learning from your, sit, uh, from your Savior by sitting at his feet daily, meditating on his law, meditating on his word. You cannot say that I am a Christian, but I am not a disciple. It goes just hand in hand. Acts chapter 11 verse 26 shows us that the disciples were first called as Christians in Antioch. In other words, they were called Christians because they were disciples of Christ. 
So you cannot say that I am a Christian, but I don't want to be a disciple of Christ. I don't want to learn. I don't want to grow in him. If you say you are a Christian, then you are saying that you are a disciple of Christ. If you are a disciple of Christ, then you must be a learner. And if you are a learner, then your learning must have a purpose in life. That learning must have a purpose in life. That is to glorify God and enjoy him. Last time we saw Jesus sending his learners to preach the kingdom of God. So they could invite even others. So they could enjoy the kingdom of Jesus. And this should be one of the main goal, main goal of all the disciples of Christ. That they invite others into the joy of being found in Christ. Last time we also saw that their going was not easy. They were not supposed to take any provision with them and deny. Uh, and then there was a real possibility also that uh, people could deny them even a common courtesy. They went without any provision. And they, there was a real possibility that, uh, you know, some people may just deny them. And when people reject you, deny you, it hurts. Uh, that's a hard reality. Then Jesus uh, had also warned them that he is going to send them as lambs among the wolves. So that means there was a good possibility that they would become someone's uh, dinner or lunch or supper, <laughs> in a, so to speak. Not literally. But there was a real possibility of being physically attacked or verbally abused. Yes. That's what uh, it meant that I'm sending you as lambs among wolves because they will, they may tear you. They were facing a real danger. Now, despite all the difficulties and challenges they faced, looking at these verses, we can say that they obeyed the commission of Jesus faithfully. They went on their mission and what we see in these verses is that their mission was anything but a failure. Luke shows that when the 70 returned, they returned with joy. It was a success. It was a blessing. They enjoyed uh, the provision of God. So what we are going to see today from these verses is this. The greatest joy is knowing that our names are written in heaven and that we are found in Jesus. The greatest joy is knowing that our names are written in heaven and that we are found in Jesus. This we are going to see under two headings, a heavenly enrollment and an earthly revelation. A heavenly enrollment and an earthly revelation. A heavenly enrollment, verses 17 to 20. The first thing which Luke shows us here is the joy of the 70 when they return. Luke says that the 70 returned with joy. Whatever the state of mind, uh, when they left, they did not return with the same state of mind. They went on their mission trusting Jesus and they realized that it was worth trusting the Savior. Jesus keeps his promises. Jesus had, had said to them that the, laborers is, that the laborers are worthy of their wages. And now they know it through their experience that uh, through their experience, as all of them return safely with exciting things to share with their master. They are excited to give their master a mission report. And uh, they are excited and they are happy. They are all rejoicing. They are all, they are, they are all alive, healthy. Now, if a typical missionary has to give a missions report today, 
he will report on how many professions were made and uh, how many uh, you know how many churches were established perhaps how many churches were established in the local area at the end of the day we want to know how many people were saved and are being discipled uh, when i when i was a new christian i used to think like just give gospel to the people and just leave them and that's it they just need to become christian they need to uh, be saved from the hell you know for me it was like gospel was something like a fire insurance yeah just be saved from the fire just be saved from the wrath of god to come and that's enough now in a sense we can say we can say that uh, to uh, to be in a right relationship with god to be saved from the wrath of god to come just believe the gospel that is enough if you want to uh, if you want to go to heaven if you want to be with christ for all eternity just believe the gospel and that is enough but it is equally important for a saved person to be a member of a local congregation it is important for him to be held accountable uh, responsible it is important for him that he grows in the knowledge of lord and uh, the way lord speaks to his people the law, the way lord uh, encourages and builds his people it is through the uh, through the word sacrament and prayer and all of this is uh, found in a local congregation so it is it is equally important that a saved person is part of a local congregation and hence any faithful missionary will not only see professions made but he will also make sure that one is part of a faithful evangelical body but in this case luke shows us that the focus of the 70 was little out of sync because for they said lord even the demons are subject to your name now unlike what jesus had uh, had said to the 12 when he sent them on a short mission trip we didn't see jesus giving them authority over the demons verse 9 shows that he just told them to heal the sick and say to them that the kingdom of god has come near to you he didn't tell them explicitly to cast demons but i think that the 70 were fascinated that even the demons are subject to them in jesus name they realize uh, during the course of their ministry that it's a jesus name it's his name there is power in his name in his name even the demons run away demons are spiritual beings who cannot be seen by our naked eyes but the holy scripture shows us that they are evil the scripture also describes them as unclean the torment and harass people they bring people into bondage to sin now the 70 are jubilant that even the demons who are much more powerful than they are are subject to them in jesus name now i think that uh, there's a little spiritual uh, pride here among the 70 and it happens very commonly among the ministers uh, among the servants of christ when they uh, taste little success in their ministry what happens you know it puffs them up yeah. and you often see people falling and that's why i think paul says to timothy you know in one of the epistles that a new convert should not be uh, should not be made a minister uh, should be, should not be made a minister because he should go through a period of testing so i think there is a little spiritual pride uh here 
and perhaps this is the same thing which has happened here out of all other things they are overjoyed that the demons are subject to them in the name of jesus now jesus uh, said to them i saw satan fall like, fall like lightning from heaven behold i give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you the first thing which came out of jesus mouth was not uh, immediate reproof in this case but he added to what they were saying jesus said that he saw satan fall like lightning from heaven satan means adversary one who is opposed to god and his plans one who is always uh, lurking to destroy the lives of believers one who is the father of all the sons of disobedience jesus said that he saw satan fall like lightning from heaven the question is when did jesus see when did jesus see satan fall like lightning from heaven did he see satan fall during the ministry of the 70 did he saw satan fall during the ministry of the 12 or during his own ministry of 2 years and more by this time I think Jesus was having a flashback when he saw Satan the one who was called a morning star was cast out from heaven with one third of his angels he was having a flashback and he was talking about that event some people ask why did god create satan and uh, i think that's a wrong question to ask God created scripture shows us that God created one of the most beautiful creatures and Ezekiel chapter 28 refers to him as one who was full of wisdom and perfect in beauty he was the anointed cherub who was on the holy mountain of God but he fell because of pride he became satan by opposing God and his holy plans Jesus called Peter as satan as he opposed God's plan of redemption at one point of time one becomes a cohort of satan when he opposes the righteous law of god and his plans jesus saw satan fall from heaven when satan sinned against god by saying my way my will not your will god and because he is already the fallen and defeated one he cannot frustrate the plan of god after talking about a flashback from the past jesus gave the same authority to the 70 which he had given to the 12 here the serpent uh, and the scorpion i think is an allusion to the devil and his angels in revelation chapter 12 verse 9 the devil has been called as a serpent of old and scorpion refers to his demons now even the 70 has authority over all the power of the enemy there is nothing uh, that can hurt them as they minister in jesus name and this is the same promise which you have in christ jesus in first john chapter 4 verse first uh, john chapter 4 verse 4 uh, john reminds us that the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world that means you should not be afraid of the power of the enemy isaiah chapter 54 verse 17 says that there is no weapon that is fashioned against you which will prevail you're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus but at times 
but at times we do not gain victory over Satan. We do not experience this victory over Satan. Perhaps he is tormenting you today. Perhaps he is harassing you today. One little boy was visiting a friend when he accidentally broke a little frog. His first impulse was to hide the toy so that no one would know. But by the witness of uh, the Holy Spirit in his conscience, it occurred to him that this was exactly what Satan wanted him to do. So instead of uh, hiding, so instead of hiding the frog, he went right away and showed his friend's mother what had happened. By doing this, the boy gained a real triumph over Satan. The high archangel of darkness is utterly defeated when even the littlest, littlest Christian claims victory in Jesus' name. Often Satan harasses believers or torments believers because they give into his uh, lies. They give into his uh, uh, offerings. Satan will tell you, do this and do that. Hide this. Commit this sin. Nobody is watching. Nobody is seeing. When you listen to him, he will get a hold over you. That's when he will get a hold over you and he will harass you. If you are living in an unrepentant sin or you have not confessed your sin, then confess your sin. Repent from your sin. Confess your sin. Come to Christ. And uh, he is faithful to forgive all your sins. Turn to him wholeheartedly and you will have complete victory in Jesus. Every sin of your of yours will be washed and you will be made clean. Disciples were rejoicing that even the demons were subject to them in Jesus' name. But there is something even greater than having authority over Satan. And that is your name being found written in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus say, says, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Disciples were rejoicing that they were able to subject, de uh, subject demons. But Jesus says that there is something which is far greater than that. Judas Iscariot was one of the twelve who went out with the apostles. And perhaps he had cast out many demons in Jesus' name. But he perished. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says that many will say to him on the, on the last day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And Jesus will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You see that many are able to do wonderful and mighty things in the name of Christ because they do it in his name. There is power in the name of Jesus, but that does not know that they know Christ savingly. Perhaps they are like Judas Iscariot, but the greatest thing is one's name being found in the Lamb's book of life. Revelation chapter 20 verse 15 says, And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That means if your name is written in heaven, then you have passed from death to life. 
if you have trusted in Jesus for your salvation, then rest assured that you are that you are enrolled in heaven. There is no creature on earth who can blot out your name from heaven because it is a Lamb's book of life. There is no one who can snatch you away from his hand. So rejoice over your heavenly enro- enrollment. This is the greatest thing which you can have in this life. Rejoice in your heavenly enrollment. Now look at verse, uh, verses 21 to 24, an earthly revelation. Luke shows us that Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. Jesus, it reads in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. There are three references in the scripture which mentions that Jesus wept. But only one time that Jesus rejoiced. Yes. Only one time that Jesus rejoiced. What made him rejoice? Jesus rejoiced in the sovereign election of God. People think that uh, the doctrine of election, it is so difficult and it's not true. And uh, they come up with all kinds of charges. But Jesus rejoiced in the sovereign election of God. For he says, uh, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and reveal them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. It seems good in your sight. There were many who thought that they were smart, that they can understand all things in their, uh, according to their own understanding or by mere reason alone. There are people who make the wisdom of this world as the ultimate standard of all things or the ultimate judge of all things. If I don't understand this thing by reason, by my, by my understanding, by my own experience, then perhaps this is not true. That's how people uh, think. And Jesus says that the things of God are hidden from them. From such people, the things of God are hidden. God hides. He discriminates. No, I'm not saying that the Christian faith is not a reasonable faith. Christian faith is a reasonable faith. But because of sin, our reason itself is corrupted and never neutral. Nobody is neutral. We are never neutral. Because of sin, we are always biased and prejudiced. And because our ability to reason is impaired, one must believe in order to understand. You must believe in order to understand. You must seek understanding through faith which comes from God. You must seek understanding through faith which comes from God. But those who come to God through their own wisdom and understanding, the things of God are hidden from them. But at the same time, God reveals himself to babes. That means, babes here does not mean literally like small children of one or two year old, but anyone who is meek and humble, when they come to God, they come to him in meekness and in humility. Jesus says that he, he reveals himself to babes. 
babes are those who receive his word in all humility and because they receive his they receive his word in all humility all humility they are given they are given understanding to understand the deep things of god you believe and then you will understand the first thing which we see is that jesus rejoices in the sovereign election of god in which he conceals himself to those who are proud and reveals himself to those who are meek the second thing which we see is the lordship of jesus over everything the lordship of jesus over everything there is no molecule or atom in the universe over which jesus is not lord he says that all things have been delivered delivered to me by my father that means nothing is outside of his control he controls all thing this also means that that there is nothing which can separate uh, you from the love of christ there is nothing which can separate you from the love of god which god has for you whether it is calamity or a health crisis or a bad time or a uh or, or or something financial crisis or you may lose a job or whatever it is there is nothing which can separate you for the love of god in christ jesus because all things have been delivered to the son and no one knows the father except the son and the one to whom the son wills to reveal him not only god reveals himself to his children but also you are also preserved in christ jesus there is nothing which can harm you and this is the confidence which you as people of god should have no matter what in this world no matter what no matter how many times you may fall in this life even if you fall 6 times you will rise 7 times because christ upholds you by his power jesus is also speaking here of the mutual indwelling of the persons of the trinity in john 14 verse 11 jesus says that i am in my father and the father is in me and in another place he says that those who have, who have seen me have seen my father and in the rest of the scriptures we see that the spirit of god proceeds from the father and the son the father the son and the holy spirit mutually indwells each other in perfect unity and harmony they are always happy they are always blessed they mutually indwell each other in perfect unity and harmony they enjoy each other the third thing which we see here is doxology jesus prays to god for god's revelation of himself to these disciple in verses 23 and 24 for uh, he said to them uh, then he turned to his disciples and said privately Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see for I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it and to hear what you hear and have not heard it Jesus prays the disciple Jesus Jesus uh, says concerning his disciples that blessed are the eyes which see the things they see many prophets and kings desire to see what they saw and desire to hear what they heard but they were not able but the disciple these disciples of jesus both heard and saw abraham longed to see the day of jesus david hoped for the messiah who would come from his own loins isaiah prophesied concerning the 
one to come and Jeremiah waiting for the days of the new covenant. They all patiently waited for the messianic days, but they neither saw him and neither heard him in their own day. But the disciples saw him, heard him. In fact, they touched the Son of God literally with their own hands. John writing his first epistle, he says that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare and we declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. The disciples uh, saw him, walked with him, touched him, heard him, learned from him, and they were commissioned to carry the gospel to the whole world. And now you get to read and hear their faithful witness. You get to read and hear their faithful witness in the written word. And that word which became flesh still speaks to you through his word and date. What a joy for us to hear the words of Jesus, to sing the words of Jesus, to pray the words of Jesus, to see him displayed in the sacraments. Often we don't uh, experience that joy that either uh, we are not, uh, either it is because we give up, uh, we hear the, what do you call, we hear the counsel of Satan or uh, his, uh, his voice, uh, sometimes uh, we hear his voice, sometimes uh, we don't repent of our sins. Uh, we don't repent of our sins, we live, in, we live in our sin, and that's why perhaps uh, sometimes we don't experience that joy which comes in Christ Jesus, or sometimes we are not availing the means of grace, that is, words, sacraments, and prayer. You will find the word of God preach uh, faithfully in the church, so you must be coming to church. On a regular basis, you should not be skipping the church. You should not be missing the sacraments in which the word is uh, displayed in a very tangible uh, manner. Then uh, often uh, we don't experience the joy which comes uh, knowing that our names are written in heaven because uh, we are not spending time with God alone. We are not praying. We are not uh, spending time with God in closet. And that's why many times we are not experiencing the joy of being in Christ Jesus. We are supposed to be happy in Christ Jesus, no matter what. We are supposed to be happy in Christ Jesus. But because we run, we run away from him, we ignore his pleadings, we listen to the devil, we avoid coming to church, we avoid uh, spending time with the people of God, we uh, we neglect uh, our growth in grace. We neglect the reading of his word. That's why we are often we are defeated. We do not experience the joy. Have you ever wondered what you will be thinking for the, uh, for the first time when you will be in the presence of God in heaven? If you have put your faith in Lord Jesus Christ, and if you ended up in heaven, have you ever wondered what you will be thinking for the first time when you will be in the presence of God in heaven? And I am sure 
you will not be thinking about that uh, missed Nobel Peace Prize <laughs> or the opportunity you had to be the to be the model and uh, uh, you were rejected, or perhaps perhaps uh, you know you are not able. To, you had dreams to be in the uh, you know you had dreams to play in the Olympics and you missed that. You are not going to think none of those things. You are not going to think about uh, any setbacks you had in this life or perhaps the million dollars you lost in this life or the opportunities you lost at the workplace. You are not going to think any of those things when you will be heaven uh, in, the presence of, uh, in the presence of God for the first time. But every moment, every moment you will be thanking God that your names were written in heaven. That before the foundation of the world, God wrote your name in his book. And he, and he counted you worthy to be in his, in his son. For all eternity, you'll be saying, Lord, Jesus, just thank, I thank you. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I made it not because of my own goodness or righteousness or not because of my own understanding, but because you loved me. You set your love upon me. You saw my frame. Even before I was knit in my mother's womb, you saw me, you saw my frame, and you chose me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This is the joy and hope of all believers for all eternity, as we get, as we give thanks to God in prayer for this great privilege which we have in Christ Jesus. Our gracious Heavenly Father, what a joy for us to think uh, today morning that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life and that we are found in Him. Lord, we acknowledge that uh, there is nothing in us or, th or there was nothing in us for you to love us. We were unlovable. We were sinners. We were transgressors. We were away from you. But Lord, you still loved us, you chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world and in time and space, Christ came into this world, lived for us and he died for our sins and rose again on the third day. And today we are new in him, we are found in him. We are righteous in your sight, all our sins are forgiven in him. And what a joy and what a hope you have given us. Thank you, Lord, for this hope which we have in Christ Jesus, hope which will never perish because uh, the hope which we have comes from you, the true and living God, the maker of heaven and earth. Well, Lord, we pray that uh, we would continue to trust in you, believe in you, and we would continue to hold on to your promises and we would be more than conquerors in this world. And in whatever we do, we would be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus in whom we have victory. We ask this prayer in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us. 
If you were blessed by this sermon, we invite you to visit us at abqreformed.org, where you'll find more information about our ministry. We look forward to you joining us again, online or in person. Until then, may peace, comfort, and grace be given to you through our Lord Jesus Christ.